First Peter chapter 5, verses 6 to 7, reading, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. May God bless the reading of his word. Let us all turn to God in prayer. Our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we bow before you, giving you praise and thanks for seeing us through yet another week. We thank you for bringing us safely into thy house, and we thank you for the grace and mercies that you have given to us through the week to do your will on earth. And Lord, we do ask once again for the thorough cleansing and washing of all our sins. Even as we approach thy throne tonight, Lord, may you, and sit at your feet, may you be our teacher. We pray that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes of understanding, grant to us convictions in our heart, and Lord, stir us afresh to live as we ought to as strangers and pilgrims on this earth. Lord, we pray that um, you would feed your children in the house tonight. We pray for those who are going through the DHW. Likewise, O Lord, may they be strengthened by your word. And we pray, O God, that you remove all the tiredness of the body, the distractions of the mind. And Lord, draw us into thy word. We ask and pray for your help, for your kingdom's sake, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we continue to study the next two verses. Now, do not forget, this is Peter writing to the Christians who are undergoing persecution, very severe one in the history of Christendom, right? And he is always reminding them how they should live as strangers and pilgrims on this earth. We must remember that. That must be our constant focus. That must be clear in our minds. Otherwise, we will feel that we are citizens of this world. We will just, well... Um, live like the citizens of the world and uh, well, not think about heaven and not live for the purposes of God's kingdom. Now, let us do some quick revision, right? Question number one. Now, we look at question number six, uh, verse six. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. Now, this is, well, obviously, telling the Christian to be humble. In other words, not to be proud. Now, specifically, what aspect of humility are we learning from here? Do you remember? Because often we think, well, um, be humble, then we think of don't be proud. Well, don't be proud of your education, achievements, your abilities in life, your wealth, um, and so on and so on, all right? So we think, well, be humble, then don't be proud of these things. But from the context, do you recall what is this humility about? Because from this passage, we learn another aspect of not being proud, which we often do not think about, all right? What is this humility about? Let us see if we can remember. Um, Thomas. Say again. Clothed with humility, correct. And this cloth is literally tying an apron, like it's a, a, sh a apron or a, a coat that you tie around you, not just put on, you tie it tightly around you. So it's something that you must always have on you. Never in any situation let this garment of humility um, be put off. All right? But that was not the question. <laughs> right? So what aspect of humility? Where do you see that here? Hmm. That, that actually um, refers to the elders, the elders um, playing their role faithfully and fulfilling them rightly on earth. Right. What about not being humble? We often think not being humble is simply about don't be proud of what you have in life. Uh, Michelle. Don't get the question. All right? So God says, humble yourself. Now, what is the aspect of humility that God is talking about? Think that we are nobody, right? Yeah. So we often think that humble yourself is just simply think of yourself as nobody. Correct. And usually it's about, well, I am nobody. But how do you, how do you show to God that you really feel that you are nobody? 
Howard, do you remember? What is this humility about? Show to others that you're humble. <laughs> wow, this is pretty bad. All right. Um, Jonathan, you were not here, but maybe you followed the live stream. Submission. What do you mean by that? All right. So, well, first of all, verses 5, uh, chapter 5, verses 1 to 4. Well, there is a humility. Look at verse 5. Um, the younger submit yourself to the elder, right? So one of it is submission to church authorities. Humility is about that, submission to the church authority. It is not simply, um, well, don't be proud of what you have and just think of yourself as nobody. Think of yourself as, as nobody is correct, but it, must le it leads to something, right? So that's very close. Ellen, do you remember? Say again. Right? Humility is one of the definitions of putting others first. But specifically in verse 6, what is that aspect? Shame. Very good. All right? Submission to the sovereignty of God. How do you know that? All right? Very good. The Christians at that time, that is why I ask about the context. The Christians were going through persecution, right? And they must remember this persecution is something that God sovereignly allowed in their lives. Just like God ordains church leaders over you, then you submit to them, then what God ordains as situations, what He allows as trials, as persecutions in your life, you also submit to that. So it is about submission. Now, what is one word that Peter kept reminding the Christians as strangers and pilgrims. What is that one word? Submission. Do you remember? It's constantly about submission. Now, try to pay attention, all right? Chapter 2. Chapter 2. As strangers and pilgrims, it begins in verse 11. Then in verse 13, submit. Right? Then in um, verse 18, subject yourself. All right? Then... In verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, subject yourself, right? And, and then now he comes to chapter 5, the elders, look at verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 5, subject. Now, it's constantly about submission and subjection. The one thing as Christians on earth that we have to always remember that the, the clothes that was described. You put on and you tie it tight around you. What is that? Humility, right? Humility. And this humility is shown in subjection. Subjection. And here in this context, chapter 5, verse 6, now it specifically subject yourselves, therefore, unto the mighty hand of God. Subject yourselves, therefore, unto, under the mighty hand of God. Now, in this chapter, um, what aspect of humbling ourselves? Well, it is the aspect of submitting to what God um, ordains in our life, His authority, and He is our governor. Submit to Him. So Peter leaves this to the last. The submission, whether it's to government, whether it's in the home, whether it's to your bosses, whether it is to um, 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 the church leaders. Now, it ultimately boils down to this chapter 5, verse 6. The mighty hand of God. Submit yourselves. God allowed whether it is a um, good government or a government that is not so good, God allowed it. When you go to work and you meet and you wonder, why do other people have nice bosses? Why is my boss like that? God allowed it. If that is God's will for you, that is where He intended for you to be. I'm married to an unreasonable husband, right? And then you got saved and then your husband is unsaved. Well, he, is, he doesn't... Uh, he doesn't treat you well. Why? Well, God allowed it after your salvation, right? So, 
and so on and so forth. Just submission to God. And for them, the most difficult one is their persecution, correct? Their persecution. It is no easy life at all, unimaginable to most of us. So this aspect is not about don't be proud of what you possess. Yes, I am nobody in the sight of God. And therefore, whatever God ordains in my life, who am I? I'm nobody. Who am I to argue with God? God saved me. I should already be very thankful for that. I'm still nobody. Why should I resist and question God? But instead, I submit to His mighty hand. All right? Whatever God allows in your life, whether it's in the home, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in school, whether it is um, 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 in society, even in church, well, God has allowed certain, ordained to allow certain things to occur. Then you subject as unto God. Okay? This is the aspect. This is the aspect. Now, some, then under question one, all right? So this, this aspect of humility, or maybe let me rephrase this. I hope you pay attention to this. This is important to understand in chapter 5, verse 6. We rarely think of humility. We rarely connect not being proud to a submission to what God ordains in our life. We seldom view humility in connection to submission to what God allows to happen in our lives and what He chooses, His will for our lives. We seldom think that submitting to those situations, those choices of God as a sign of humility. That is humbleness. The absence of the flesh resisting, questioning God. So when we understand that, we begin to realize that there, are, there is a big problem in Christianity. We constantly still read books, titles, contents that keep saying this, challenge God, question God, speak openly about your um, unhappiness with what you feel about God's choice for you in life. That is increasingly... Uh, um, a trend of teaching. And they say, God can handle it. Just speak your mind to God. That is taught on pulpits, in books. Because of the failure to understand, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, is the stranger and pilgrim's garment. That is the characteristic of a stranger and pilgrim. Whatever God allows, Whatever God has brought into your life, you just submit to it. That is what it is. Would you be such a Christian? But it is here, right? It is here. I think none of us can say that our lives are like these people in this chapter at this time. They became Christians. They forsook all to follow Christ. Nothing like us today. And they suffer great persecution. Where is the fairness, right? If we were living then, I think we would, we would really fail miserably. All right? So that is the aspect. Do not forget. Now, but can it also be? Now, remember here, it can be without, not because of their fault. They became Christians. They follow Christ. They obey His commandments. They don't run with the unbelievers. Did they sin? No, it is not because of sin that they are suffering persecution. God allowed it, not because of what they have done that is sinful. Now, can it be also that we should submit to God when we are chastised by God? means because of our sin, because of our disobedience, and then we suffer these consequences that God allows into our life. Now, is this included? What do you think? What do you think, Kenny? Do you think it is included? Why? They just became Christians. They became Christians. These poor Jews become Christians and then they suffer. Why do you think it includes that? Because you have sin. Because you have sin. And in which way we sin? 
Well, I'm talking about willful, deliberate um, sin, all right? Now, remember Christ told the Christians um, that, and those who were not yet believers, now, especially the Jews, because of their rejection of Christ, right? Jerusalem will be sacked, correct? Jerusalem will be overrun and will be taken, away by, taken over by the, by the Romans, for example, in this case. So this was what was happening. So as a whole, yes, the Jewish people, they were, in a sense, suffering for um, their sin as a people, the chastisement of God. So it does include that as well, right? Yes, it may not be, well, they were born here and now, they got born, and then they believe in Christ, they're suffering, none of their sin. But some of them were among those that, well, could have been the ones that rejected, right? Rejected openly um, Christ. But then they became believers. So it can also include that. But the point is this. Whatever it is, whether it's none because I have not sinned, well, submit. Well, because I have sinned, well, submit. That is a sign of humility towards God. So that is the context, all right? It is important to remember that. Now, point, question number two. Question number two. Now I ask you, now what if you patiently waited for your exalting, right? Look at verse um, verse, verse 6, right? Um, well, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So you waited, you patiently waited and waited and waited, but God did not exalt you at all. So, for example, you get persecuted at work, right? For being a Christian or for being honest, following Christ, or, or in the home, um, in society. And then you waited and you waited. You never got exalted, right? Your, your colleagues that are wicked, that bully you, that they get promoted all the time. You've been there for 15 years, 20 years, and it's still the same thing, all right? Or whatever, whatever situation you can think of, you waited. You say, Lord, okay, I, I patiently wait, and I patiently endure all this, but it looks like no exaltation after all these years. What are the possible reasons? What are the possible reasons? Because I don't want you to read this and go away and thinking, oh, all right, never mind, I'll endure this, endure this, well, sooner or later, my boss will see, all right? Uh, my family members will see, all right? And, and so on. What are the possible reasons? Um, uh, what are the possible reasons? Yeah, how come? For, yeah, how come you never get exalted after so long? You just patiently submit, submit to God. But God promised you'll be exalted. <laughs> okay, right? It may not be in this life, correct? Now look at the verse. He will exalt you that he may exalt you in due time. What is due time? God's timing, not ours. We can't dictate. We are to submit, correct? It may not be in this life. Some of them, they literally, well, they submitted, they lived faithfully, they would not deny Christ, and they lost arms, lost limbs, and then they lost family, and then they lost properties, and then they even lost their lives. It didn't happen in their lifetime. Well, we read about in Revelations, um, how in Revelation, how those who were faithful to Christ, well, well how they were honored, Right? So it may be in the next life, the next life in God's due time, God's timing. So that is one. That is one. Well, that's the easiest one, right? Not in this life. All right, think about it. Because sometimes you may secretly in your heart feel that, Lord, I've been so obedient for so long. Why is it that I'm still trampled down? Why is it that these things that I hoped for still never occurred? All right? Why, Lord? Maybe, well, you say, well, your, 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 your relatives make fun of you. Why are you a single? You know, what's wrong with you? Um, no girls like you or no guys like you. What's wrong with you? And so on. And they say, one day I will be exalted. Right? And then you waited and you waited. Then it's God's will for you. And then in the end, you didn't get married. And so on and so forth. Right? All right, Chen, you're smiling a lot. All through the mask, I can tell. Right? Yeah, what did you want to say? 
Nothing. Okay, I'll ask you anyway. <laughs> yes? Why? What is the possibility? God, I waited, but... Very good. All right, very good answer. Maybe because God knows that I still have problems in my life and He still needs to teach me lessons. It could be still, well, you think that you are humble already or you think that and this and that. But God knows our heart. And it's not yet. The due time is not due yet. Not due yet. Now, remember Moses. Moses. How long it, did it take for Moses? Before Moses was considered, well, not proud anymore and ready to serve God. You know the answer, right? Maybe I ask, Yifei, how long? How many years? 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years? Say again. 20, all right? You pick somewhere in between. 40 years. 40 years, right? 40 years taking care of sheep. That really humbled him. By the time he was ready, he really thought he was not ready. Then he was in the best state of heart. He wanted to deliver the people of God. He felt that he was special, didn't he? I'm special. I know through all this thing that happened in my life, my life got preserved, I am the one. Well, he was the one. He was indeed the one. But he was not ready, right? So God still have to teach him lessons. So it can be for us as well. We keep thinking, we are ready. Lord, I'm ready for this, for that. But we are not. Now, remember you studied about Hezekiah? Hezekiah, was it good? Well, he asked for extension of life, and he felt that, you know, extend my life, I'll praise you, you know, what, what, what good is it if I'm dead? I can't praise you, I can't lead your people. Very soon after God extended his life, he fell into the sin of pride. Showed off, right? Showed off. Well, so God knows our heart. Now, why else? Why else? So sometimes it is not. It could be, well, because of us. We, we have not changed, though we think we have. Then we continue. Now, sometimes, even in such a case, it may not be ever in this lifetime. It may be the consequence of our sin. It may not change. Because God knows that we will not change. We will not change. And it's the best that we don't get exalted in this life. And if you continue to submit, if you continue to submit, your exaltation is in heaven. Remember that. Remember that. All right? So, yes. So, this few, I can think of these few reasons which you, you well um, brought up as well, right? So, if you keep thinking, Lord, when is my crowning? When is my crowning? When is my vindication? Then I will now be exalted. Well, we are definitely not ready, right? Okay, so I want to, want to make sure that we also understand this verse um, rightly, rightly. So if God allows that, continue to submit. Just leave it to God. Don't look for exaltation. Verse 3, uh, question number 3. Now, what are the opposite responses to this aspect of humility in submitting to the mighty hand of God? What are the opposite responses? So we say, Lord, I want to learn to submit to your mighty hand. means what you sovereignly ordains and, and allows in my life that I know I have to submit to. Now, what is the opposite response? Lord, I want to, but Lord, how can I identify that I am not submitting? Can you think of any? Yen Wei. All right, your sin has been pointed out, and then you feel what? You don't want to repent, right? You don't want to repent. Yes, when, um, when your sin has been pointed out and you don't want to um, submit to the Word of God and you continue to fight and um, uh, resist, yes, that's one of it. Well, what else? Well, I will mention a few, for example. Well, one sign that we know is when we begin to resent, be resentful when we are resentful to the situation that we are in. Remember, this is God, what? God ordaining something, allowing something in your life. 
How do I know that I'm insubmissive? I resent that. I, I pull a long face. I'm unhappy. Um, I am... Well, one, sign, one example of resentment is you keep complaining and murmuring, right? Complaining and murmuring. Why, 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 is, why is my child like that? And other people's child is not like that. Why, why is my family like that? All right? why, why is my job like that? Why is my boss? We, we keep complaining and murmuring. Why, why, why? Why is basically shaking our fist at God as a stranger and pilgrim and say, God, why, why did I get born into such a family? Why do I have such um, parents? In, why do I have such in-laws? Why do I have such children? Why do I have such whatever it is? Job? Why? Resenting what God allowed in your life. That is a sign. Now, what about this? It is unfair. Unfair. Do you think it was fair for the Christian to have been treated like that at that time? Absolutely unfair. Hence, Peter had to teach them, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourselves under His hand. Submit to it. Don't keep asking, why is it so unfair that this situation happened to me? All right? Why am I treated this way? It's unfair. Well, it could be God wants to humble you. God wants to teach you. That is all. It could be, yes, you have sinned. That is all. Just submit. That is all. All right? So, resentment, a resentful attitude of the situations in your life and what you have or do not have. That is an example. Now, what else? What about, well, re well just simply, you, you resist. Resist and reject resist and reject. What do I mean by that? Well, we feel, God, this is not what I expected. I became a Christian. I followed you. I obeyed you. And I've been serving you all these years. This is not what I expected. Lord, I refuse to accept this. I cannot accept that after how I live, with, live for you, you mean this is your will for, my, for me in my life? I cannot accept it whether it's health, whether it's whatever it is, all right? A rejection, a refusal to accept God's will. Now, what is the example of us not humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God when we begin to resent, we begin to resist and reject? What will you do? Give me an example. So when you start to do that, you know that you are refusing to humble yourself under the hand of God. What are some examples that that shows that clot. Okay, you just, keep, you just keep doing what God says to stop. Example of keep doing what? <laughs> the sinful thing. Example. Uh, stealing. <laughs> I think stealing is, is definitely, <laughs> you must stop, right? Uh, Okay, maybe some other example. Um, I, uh, Howard. Hey, Howard, I called you already, right? Um, uh, Joe Chang, yes. Constantly late for service. Um, okay, yeah, we constantly, well, don't bother. God says don't be late for service. Well, I think this is about you reject. You reject God's will in your life. For example, if God wills for someone to be single, what is an example of, Lord, I cannot accept this. I serve you. I obey you. I follow you. I, I try to be a good person that is suitable for marriage. I cannot accept that you want me to be single, assuming that that is God's will for your life, for example, right? Or maybe it is God's will for you not to have children, now, what do people do in those situations? Well, you continue to pursue, pursue. You, you will even, even um, accept or pursue um, the, the uh, un unbeliever or a weak Christian who, who you know. This Christian is, is, will not be someone, as far as you can see by the person's life now, will not be someone that will, well, bring up godly seed with you. You don't care. You just go ahead as long as I get married. While some leave church to join unsound churches just to find a life, a, a spouse, right? So God's will, but no, I reject it. I refuse to accept it. I will not humble myself under this will. 
you begin to take things into your own hands. Parents, um, Christian parents who don't have children, they resort to IVF. Even they, are, they know it is sinful, they resort to IVF. They cannot accept. Right? So these are some examples um, that I can think of. Um, now, what else? What else? You begin to, maybe at work. At work? Okay, at work. Working people. All right, uh, Eugene. At work, right? A Christian cannot accept that he did not get promoted. I feel that, but I, I'm very hardworking in church. I serve God. And then pastor always says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And these things will be added unto you. And his righteousness and this thing will be added to you. Didn't get added to me. Time and again, I get passed over. All right? Then he gets very frustrated and resentful and begin to say, no, I cannot accept this. What would the Christian do? Mama complain. Yes, that is the mild part. <laughs> Leave the job even though it's God's will. All right? God, when he joined the company, I'm in so clear this is God's will and then everything then after that, didn't get promotion, didn't get the pay increment that he wants. Leave the job, although that was God's will for him. What else would a person do? Maybe like Adrian. I'm sure you met met people like that. What do unbelievers do? Right, find others ways to get the money. Maybe sinful way to get the promotion. Politic, right? Play politics. Do all that kind of things. The Christian can also do that. You see, when we will not submit to what God ordains for our life, if God ordains for you to be a nobody, right? Always, forever, in your company, although you are very good. Will you submit to that? Ah, that is the question. Well, God is using me here. This job allows me to serve, to go to church, to study, and do all these things. But I cannot accept that I do not get this amount of money, this, this, this uh, promotion. But God provided this job so that you are able to walk your Christian life without hindrance but I cannot accept that I didn't get this and that, right? They leave all you politic in the church. That is true too. Very common in churches. You didn't get the role, the, the, the position. What do you do? I cannot ac accept that God did not make me this and that in this committee or that committee. Then you begin to play politics, all right? So these are the things that can happen in our lives. Submitting to God, what God ordains. Is very important. Now, question number four. Question number four. Now, what does God tell us to do while we humble ourselves under His mighty hand? So, we learned a lot about humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, submit to whatever He ordains, whether it's because of a chastisement, whether it's not because of any sin of yours, submit. But in the meantime, what does God tell us to do? Ah, Jonathan, uh, the, the other Jonathan, yes. All right, very good, very smart. Always look at the Bible. Now, after God says in verse 6, humble yourself. Now, verse 7, casting all your care upon him. Now, I taught you that it is possible for you to read the Bible, the King James Bible, all right? The King James Bible, almost like a Greek Bible, all right? The Greek is very accurate. The Greek tells you things. Now, remember... I kept telling you, like verse 7, casting. Typically with the ing, all right? Typically, it is a participle, meaning to say it's linked to a main verb, correct? So when you see casting, casting all your care upon him, then you think, well, it's likely a participle. And then verse 6, humble yourself. So God says, while you humble yourselves, I know it's going to be very difficult. You must be doing something else as well. What is it? Casting casting all your care upon him for he careth for you now we move into verse 7 that is one thing that the christian must learn must learn now question number four what does god tell us to do well cast our cares upon him now what does it mean what does it mean to cast your cares upon god what does it mean but maybe i ask you why does god need to say that first why do you think god needs to say that why do you think so uh, Alex. All right. The easiest thing is for us to take things into our own hands rather than leave it to him. Okay, yes. Well, then this particular care is what? 
well, you know, this thing is, is outside my control and, and it looks like it's going to all turn all wrong. And so you worry. God said, well, cast your care upon me. Don't take things into your own hand, right? Leave it to me. Well, that is one. That is one. But remember, these Christians, of, most of them of none of their fault, they were going through persecution, and these persecutions were severe, very, very difficult. Now, what, what do you think comes to the heart of a person when he's going through severe and unfair persecution and so on? And he's worried. Will my child die because I, I proclaim to be a Christian? Will they kill my wife? Will they kill my husband? Now, all these things will be going through their minds as they go through persecution. Now, if I were to tell you, and you're going through very severe um, 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 difficulties in life, and you're worried, all right? Maybe you lost your job, and, 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 and it is a great um, need in the family that is facing you at this time. Okay, and I tell you, well, you know, um, humble yourself. Humble yourself to the mighty hand of God. God allowed it, all right? God bless you. Now, what is going through your heart at that time? When you have lost your job, mouths to feed, bills to pay, mortgage to pay. What is going through? Full of, full of what? Full of cares, correct? You'll be very worried. So what God is saying now, you're going through a very difficult time. I understand. I know that I'm the one who told you I ordained all things. And I know that you will be full of cares. Cast your cares upon me. This is the context, all right? Which is why I say it's very important to understand verse 6, what does it mean to humble yourself? Going through what God allows doesn't mean that the Christian will not be full of cares, right? It's, it's natural, it's normal that we'll be in a sinful flesh, be full of concerns. So let's, let's learn this verse, all right? What, now, what does it mean to cast your care upon him? Now, this word cast, cast, is a typical word that they, they, like you take a burden, all right? You take, um, 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 whether it's the saddle of an animal or, or burdens that you need to carry, and then you cast it, literally throw it over and let it land and rest upon the, the horse, for example. So this is what it means, cast means literally to take and then to unload it and throw it, throw it away from you, cast it away from you onto another. That is the picture of this word being chosen. Now, this means to leave, to leave your worries, to, to um, put it away and commit it to another. That is what it means. So God's, God knows that as you go through all this, even while you, while you learn to submit and be humble towards God, your heart may be full of many emotions. But God says, put it away. Push it far away from you. In fact, I want you to use energy to throw it to me. That is what God is saying. You actively consciously throw it away, separate it from you. That is what it is. Now, what are cares? Casting your cares. Cast what? All right, cast what? God says, your cares. Now, look at verse 7. Casting all your care, right? Your care. What are your cares? Cares are worries, anxieties, concerns, fears, Burdens, distresses. Well, it can be fear. Lord, I cannot endure this. I don't think I can endure this. I'm afraid. I don't think I can go through this. Well, God, I'm worried. How long will this be in my life that I will have to face this or that I don't have something? I'm distressed. Right? How painful would it be, Lord? Now, God knows that we are people that are full of cares, all right? We worry about things that have not happened yet. That is us, right? We worry about things that we don't see yet. We imagine certain things. We are full of cares. 
And of course, in, in their case, there are real cares, all right? genuine ones. So God says, well, well, all these things that you have, can I provide for my family next year, next month? All these things in your heart, valid things even, right? They are very valid. Now then look at verse 7. Casting all your care. Now it's all, all. And this all literally means no exception. And it means every kind, all right? So it's a very all-encompassing kind of all. Every kind. Now sometimes as Christians, we... We cast many things in our con- cast many concerns to God. But some things, if you're honest, when you really think back, you didn't even pray to God. That is us. You know, we pray for all the well, typical things. Let me ask those who are working. You had some when was the last time you really turned to God? God, this project is full of problems. And all these things, these things can inf- affect my spiritual walk. My fa- leading my family, all right? When was the last time that you really prayed to God about this problem? Well, you pray about your children's education, you pray for the church, very good, you pray for other Christians, but not all. Certain things you just feel that, well, these are not for God to worry, or you don't even, it doesn't occur to you that you should bring it to God. Hence, God must say not cast your cares, but cast all your cares. These Christians, as they were going through persecution, it's very easy for them. Well, they pray for faith to stand firm, not to deny um, the truth of God, and, and so on. But to follow Christ obediently. But it's easy for them to, well, when it comes to whether they have money, a place to stay, they may not relate this to, to casting it to God. And they keep worrying and worrying. So many of us worry about many things. We it doesn't occur to us. These are also things we must learn to push away from us and cast these cares to God. Are you carrying some of this? Are you living a life that is full of worries and even as you sit here, your mind keeps going back to something, some problems that you have? It doesn't occur to you that these are also things that you need to cast to God. You need to cast to God. Now, this word all also includes in, in its entirety, entirety, right? Not, not only every kind, but entirety of every kind. Because sometimes we cast part of the worries. We cast part of the fears. We cast part of the concerns to God. And then we carry the rest ourselves. But this is all, all. So, Christian, are you going through some difficult patch in life as you obey God, as you seek to um, obey Him? Now, please make sure it's not because of sin. Eh? Um, it's because of sin, you repent. All right? It still applies to you, but make sure you repent. First and foremost, deal with the sin. When we go through all this, God says, can you take the whole thing, whole thing, whole thing of everything? We say, Lord, one, problem one, two, and three, whole thing. But problem five and six, I think I, 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 think I need to handle it my, myself in, in worrying about it. Not, hand, not just handling I need to worry about this, Lord. This one is, is too major, Lord. Let me worry as well with you. Sometimes we are like that. And God here teaches the Christian, cast the whole thing, whole thing to him. Now, this is what it means. Now, utterly, ultimately, what God is saying is this. He did not say, cast all your cares away from you. Look at how he says it in verse 7. Casting all your care upon him, upon him. That is the point. Literally, Christ is walking up to us and say, Dear child, I know that you're trying to live your Christian walk for me. I know. And I know that you worry about, can you, can you do this? There's so many things on your plate. Can you? All right. At the same time, you're studying. At the same time, you're serving. At the same time, you're working. At the same time, you're taking care of your family as a mother. You know, you're, you're working as a mother at home, and then your child is sick, and then yet you want to study the Word. You, you don't know whether you can do it. And some of you, well, you, you, you're busy and you understand, God, I do not know whether I can make it. God says, well, all these things, I know you are full of cares. Or, or other things like, well, you lost your job or your job is not paying sufficiently to you to take care of many necessary things in your life. And you worry, and you worry. God says, well, stop worrying. No, he said, cast it to me, meaning to say he walks up to you 
give your concerns to me. To me, I'm standing here. And the whole thing, stop thinking about the worries. Pass it to me. Now, it's very comforting. Um, he tells us that he will take it on himself, in other words. Now, imagine this master carrying all the heavy things, and then this, this, um, his, his trusty um, um, horse comes up to him and nudges him and says, put it on me, put it on me. I'm way stronger than you. Right? Put it on me. Uh, that's the picture here, the horse and the casting the burdens on the horse. So Paul, uh, sorry, um, Peter uses all this description. They're very used to it. They take long journeys and then they, they have to cast their, their, their burdens on a camel or on a horse or on a donkey or on an animal. So it's this picture. And, and, and typically they would say, take the whole thing and put it on the, on the animal of burden. That's all. Right, so it's the picture that is painting to them, uh, painted to them. So it's Christ. Christ saying to you, what are you worried about, dear friends? Your job, your health, your possession, your children. Well, valid problems in life. But God says, cast it on me. But I ask the question as well. Now, what does it not mean? What does it not mean? All right, what does it not mean? It does not mean that the trials will go away. It does not mean that. God said, cast your cares upon me. The trials will continue. I have allowed it. And as you submit to those trials, as they continue in your life, the fears, the cares, the concerns, they will increase. But you cast those fears, concerns, worries upon me and just continue through this trial. That is what it means, all right? So it does not mean the problems will go away. Many take this and then they, um, they say, oh, I'm disappointed. All right? The problem is still there. My health problems are still there. My financial problems are still there. No, God is saying, yes, I intended for them to be there. But worrying, um, being distressed is not good. Cast it on me. Cast those parts on me. So it does not mean that you ignore the problem and sit back and don't do anything and hope that it will go, the problem will go away. It doesn't mean that. They still needed to take a stand. They still needed to obey the Lord. They still needed to worship. They still needed to serve. They still needed to go into hiding and so on. They still needed to go through all that. But while they are going through all that, they were not supposed to go through them with a heavy heart, with um, um, a long face and murmuring and complaining and sad and crying. All right? That is what Christ is teaching them. Now, it does not mean that um, we don't continue in our human responsibility. Please remember that. So, if you have no job, don't take this verse and say, well, I just cast it to God. All right, and sit at home and watch TV and play computer games. No, you're supposed to do whatever you're supposed to do. You're supposed to apply for jobs. You're supposed to go for interviews. You're not supposed to worry. That's what God says. I will take care of things, but you continue in what I've allowed in your life and do what is required of you. That is what it means. Whether it's your children having an illness or whatever it is. Now, you still need to go see a doctor. All right? You worry about your health. What the doctor tells you to do, you still need to go home and do them, your exercises or whatever it is. Um, well, you have a difficult family problem. Right? It's not just to ignore it and then uh, just father say, ah, never mind, I'll cast it to God. And then the family say, but the problem is there. What are you going to do? Right? So you still need to act. You still need to act. Now, what it also does not mean is this. Now, if in the case that you sin against God, all right, and God is chastising you, and you submit to it, it does not mean that God has stopped caring for you. Because it says, casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. In fact, the reason why God continues to chastise you is because he cares for you. Because some Christians, they get very discouraged. Well, they, they committed certain sin, and well, they know that the consequence, consequences are dire, 
And it can be even a consequence that will last for the rest of your life. Some Christians can feel, well, I can't cast my, my distress, I can't cast my sadness, my sorrow on God. No, God said, you cast it on me as well. You repent. Yes, this consequence may be for life. You continue. You continue to, um, in the thing that I've allowed in your life as consequence, and bear it. And bear it. All right? Don't think that God then has cast you aside and, and uh, He no longer cares for you. He may not use you in a certain way anymore. But it does not mean that He has cast you aside and you won't be useful as long as you repent and submit to that consequence. All right? So please remember that. Now, in other words, the, the lesson for question number four is, I have human responsibilities to continue what is required, but I have a responsibility not to continue in worrying. All right? Remember that. Here is the injunction from God. Now, question number five. Question number five. Now, why does God remind us that we can cast our cares upon Him? So here God says, cast your cares upon me, all right? The Christian have to really learn that. Stop. Stop going around like a headless chicken, panicking, worrying, um, and grabbing at straws. God says, stop that, stop that. Leave your worries to me. You continue to do what I ask you to do. You continue to live how I ask you to live. You continue to submit to me. But you leave the worries to me. You leave the, the cares and concern that, wow, can this be taken care of? Can that, will this happen? Will that happen? You stop thinking about those things. You just obey me. All right? Now, question number five is, why does God remind us that we can cast our cares upon Him? Why does God remind us that we can cast our cares upon Him? Uh, Susan. Say again. I can't hear you. Why does God say you can cast your care upon me? Uh, Han? All right. He will provide us with the grace to submit. That is verse 5. Correct? He, he will provide us with the grace. What if he don't, doesn't? What if he doesn't? Mabel. God knows that we will struggle. But why does he say you can cast it upon me, Ben? Because he cares for you. Because he cares for you. He said, you can cast your care upon me. And Peter wants to assure them. He says, casting all your cares upon him. But Peter, all these problems that happen in our lives, does God really care or not? You know, all these things, it seems like, it seems like God, God is not there. Does He care? I'm going through such difficulties. Such fears await me. Does God care? So Peter, used by God, have to assure them. So God says, you can cast your care for me because I care for you. I care for you. Now, if I tell you, cast your cares, your worries, your financial problems, your health problems, um, your, your job problems upon me, and I care for you, <laughs> not much use, all right? You say, Pastor, I really appreciate your care, all right? Please pray for me. Um, with my prayer to God to help you, that the power of God to help you, well, that helps. But here is God say, I care for you. To have someone tell us that they care for us is already very assuring, isn't it, as we go through life and difficulties? But here, God wants to say, I am the one who's caring for you. cast it on me. You cast it on me because I care for you. All right? So question number five, why he said we can do so? Because, well, he cares for us. Now, what is this care? What is this care? Now, it's a different word from the word casting your cares upon God. All right? Casting your cares upon God. Now, this care is one that is of, that God has a personal interest in you. There's the aspect of interest. Interest, all right? Um, an aspect of concern for you. So this is not about the worries and distresses kind of care. But God is, is um, intentionally watching you. That is what, that's the picture. He cares for you. So when God says that, it means that um, He watches over you. 
He knows what is going on. He, he takes interest in what you're going through and how you're feeling. Right? He, and this care um, is something that he does um, actively. Right? So this is the other part, actively. So while they were going through that, Peter had to use a Greek word to mean that. And Peter had to use a Greek verb in a particular tense. And the tense is a present active tense, meaning to say it is something that God is presently doing, actively doing. And it's a tense that means God will not stop doing it. He will keep doing it. That is what it means. So when the people hear this word, cares for you, God cares, I care for you. And in that particular verb and in particular tense, it is very comforting. Understand that. It is not something that God, oh no, on hindsight, I forgot. No, he is constantly watching what you're going through, monitoring and, and acting, not hindsight. Oh no, sorry child, I forgot, right? Parents can do that sometimes, even most well-meaning parents. So he cares for us. Now, the other thing about this is this care now, what do you think this care is about? Is this care mainly about the physical? What do you think, Benedict? Say again. Both. Benedict says both physical and spiritual. Yes, both. But which serves which, Benedict? The physical serves the spiritual. The physical serves the spiritual. So again, don't read this and say, well, you know, everything that I need physically, I'll get. Because they did not. They did not. Many of them remained poor with their properties taken away. Many of them died without receiving things, right? So is the, some of them recovered, right? Some of them got what they, so there are good stories and there are so-called bad stories, both sides. But it's always when God says, I care for you, He cares for you spiritually. Please remember that. He cares for your spiritual eternal good. That is what God's care is always about. And if you don't remember that, you will always look, God, you don't care for me. You don't care for me. Alright? So like parents, you know, you take care of a child and say, Daddy, Mommy, you don't care for me. Why? Because you didn't buy the bicycle, um, the whatever, the iPad and whatever thing. You didn't buy those for me, so you don't care for me. No, the care is always spiritual first. And if those physical things are useful, and it's in God's will that you have them, that will, that, that will enable you to achieve His will that He intended, He will provide. All right? So, Christian, please remember that God's care for us is always for our eternal good. Now, I read to you Romans 8.32. He that spareth not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And this is the point. Christian, if you ever doubt God's care, if you don't receive something, or if you're going through something and you say, Lord, how can this be fair to me? How can this be good? And you just cannot understand. Remember Romans 8.32. If God, he that spared not his own son, which of you would spare your own child for that? Which of you would cut off a limb for someone? Maybe, well, maybe you will, but definitely not to deliver up and to bear all your sins and all, and we can't even do that. Well, bear, and he says, um, deliver him up for us, for you, for me. Then how will he not with him also freely give us all things? When you don't need it, God will not provide it because it may be bad for you and it's not needed, right? Anything that is needed will be freely given. Trust God. Trust Him. Now, so this question is ultimately, since He cares for me in this way, since He cares for me in this way, then I can trust Him. I can leave it to Him. I can, I can go to bed and know that this is for some spiritual good and not keep... Um, stressing over it, right? Okay, then question number six. Question number six. Now, what are some examples in life? What are some examples in life 
What are some examples in life wherein we need to be careful to be humble under God's hand? What are some areas? Because if you don't identify them, you may not be casting your care in entirety to Him. Now, what are some areas can you think of? Well, this is very easy, right? Um, Say again. All areas, all right? All areas. Yes, but you know, sometimes you say all areas, but sometimes in our life, like God must remember us, cast all your cares. Some areas we just never think of casting it. Typically, right? Some. All right. All right. Different duties, different roles as mother, as daughter, as, um, as a Christian. And so the many, many different duties in life. Yeah, that's a good example. Because these are so common, right? Everyday life things. So when God says, cast all your cares, our everyday um, life activities, for the men, well, your job, your work, um, security of your job, um, um, ability to finish your job on time, and so on. Now, these are very common things that we go through every day. It's easy for us not to identify that, well, if something goes wrong there, if something happens there, or whatever that God has chosen to me, I must submit and I must learn to cast my cares to God. All right? So I think very often it's the very common daily things that we overlook. Now, what will happen when we do that? I've mentioned just now. We will murmur, we will resent, we will complain, we will keep... keep um, 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 being dissatisfied with, whether it's our children, whether it's our, our spouse, whether it is our job, whether it's our health, whether it's how much we have or don't have, all those kind of things, right? We will become resentful in those areas, let alone, say, cast our worries to God, right? Yeah. Now, what about things that sometimes people don't relate to? Um, health conditions. Health conditions. Sometimes you see a doctor and say, your health condition from now onwards have changed. You have to live with this health condition from now onwards, right? Sometimes we, when we hear news like that, we just can't accept this change in our lives. It's painful. You say, from now onwards, you have to be taking this medication. You cannot eat this. You cannot do that. You cannot, many things. And say, wow, I, I cannot accept all this. Then you get into depression. Many Christians can fall into that. You receive some news, or it can be loss of job, in this case, loss of health. Then suddenly, they just spiral downwards. Instead of learning to say, Lord, you have allowed this. This change is going to happen in my life. I submit to it, and I cast all my cares upon you. Who's going to, can I work long enough to support my family? What about my children's education in university? What about this? What about that? God says, well, submit to me and cast it on me. I have allowed it. Don't worry. When the time comes, when the need is there, if it is to be provided for, I will provide. Can you stop worrying? Instead, you go through this. And in going through this, well, you learn to glorify me. Now, please look at chapter 4. Chapter 4. Now it says in verse 14, If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. Verse 16, If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him be glorify God on this behalf. So he says, You just keep living rightly, accept my will, live joyfully, show the world that you, you know how to cast this cares upon a God that cares for you, and you glorify me by that instead of worrying and worrying about what will happen. All right? Yep, so that's one example. Or maybe one day, um, some, one of you get married and then have a child, and the child is a special child. What are you going to go through? All right? Submit. Instead of worrying about many things that will come. Now, I remember one lecturer that I had, I think I shared with you before, all right, um, in FEBC. Right? Some of you may have taken his course, Reverend Tan Kien Seng. Now, when God called him to the ministry, there were so many worries in his mind and concern. I remember he shared. Right? Um, and 
He's the only breadwinner. He had a few children. One of it is a special child. Costs a lot to take care of. Takes a lot of energy to take care of. And he said he's, he already had his worries and concern. Last thing he needed was his father to constantly berate him. What kind of father are you? Something along that line. How can you, you know, take, go to the ministry and then not enough salary? What's going to happen to your family and all that kind? So all these things are going to come. Now, sometimes when we meet situations like that, the Bible all goes out of the window, right? All this cast your care, submit yourself to whatever he allows. These Christians, when are going through, you think when, when they take a sword and put it to the throat of, of the, the child and say, you deny Christ or I kill your child, and you see your, your, your spouse or your father on the lamppost being lighted up and used as human fire, this was what happened to them. Do you think all these things submit yourself and casting all your care? Do you think those things are strong in their mind? Peter, sent by God, had to remind them. So when you reach that stage, this is to prepare you, to prepare you. Because these examples in life um, can happen to any of us at any time. Sometimes situations where you go through and say, have you ever related to submitting to God? when you have a very difficult family, when you have a very difficult family, some people just have that. Maybe it's a black sheep in the family, maybe it's the parent, maybe it's the child, but just constantly giving severe pain to the family, always, all the time. Does it ever occur to you? It is what God has allowed in your life and how you respond. Instead of distress, instead of anger, instead of frustration, resentment, comparison. Now, these are situations that can happen to the Christian life. Maybe you're in a situation like that. Right? I remember um, sometimes I hear of families where, where the father or the mother or the child is it's just impossible, all right? and constantly causing grief and causing lots of pain and losses to the family. So why? Then the person, why? Why must I be born into such a family? Why must I be the one taking care of these things? Why must I be the one? All right? Well, God says, I've ordained it. I have ordained it. It may reach a stage where you may need to take care of someone in your life. That is very difficult. God has ordained it. God has allowed it. And you have a lot of worries. Can I handle it? How will I respond? Can I afford it? And all sorts. God says, I allowed it. Not of any sin of yours. You submit and now cast your cares to me, all right? That is how you live your life. It can be in church service as well. I mentioned just now, all right? I know some of you are going through well, a lot of stress serving alongside each other. Um, can, I, can I make it? Can I? You know, and we get frustrated or we get fearful. God say, cast your cares upon me. I've chosen you, then you serve. I will help you. Now, question number seven, the last one, all right? The last one. Maybe we come back next week on this, um, it's almost time, and this is quite a long one that will relate to the next part, the next verse as well. Now, dear Christian, I hope that if you are going through something like that, tonight's lesson will help you to think rightly, and if one day something's happened to you, you come back to this verse and know what it means. Let us turn to God in prayer.